Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the Miles with Grant podcast. Uh, This is either episode four, if you follow me on YouTube, or episode two, if you use my uh, new Spotify. So before we get into today's episode, where I will be covering uh, and reviewing the U.S. uh, track and field Olympic trials, I want to talk a little bit about uh, my own running experiences over the past two weeks. For those of you who weren't aware, I was in uh, Oregon for the trials themselves. Um, and I also I also ran a lot. I did my highest mileage total probably ever. Um, and and I was pretty beat after it. Um, but, you know, the, the 10K went really good, set a new PR, first overall. Um, mileage was great everything. It was a really, really good week for me to run. The weather was a lot cooler, a little, little to no humidity. Um, I, I highly recommend running in Eugene if you can. It's, it's a great place to run. A lot of gorgeous trails, a lot of gorgeous uh, bike paths and um, river paths. There's, you know, obviously Priest Trail, but there's also some of, um, some really, really good, um, like a greenway system that's directly alongside the Willamette River. So that's that's really enough about um, my running experiences over the week. Uh, let's dive in straight into um, today's episode. Well, I'm the Olympic trials were really exciting. Being there firsthand, it was great to see the new Hayward. Great to see the excitement. Um, I was a little bit disappointed with the, the fans, I guess. It, the stadium capacity was maybe three quarters full on the most days and probably less than half on some of the um, the more or less interesting or just the hotter days. It did get up very, very hot. It was about 110, um, and I heard that it was about 150 on the track on one day. So that's, that's really hot, really just not good running conditions, and they ended up having to move one of the days to the evening session, which I'll I'll talk about that um, a little bit later. So the way I'm going to do this is I'm just going to go down. I'm going to talk about each event, who qualified, what I think their chances are in Rio. Um, or not Rio, sorry, um, Tokyo for 2020. Um, and, you know, what we'll just see, I, I don't cover a whole lot of the field events just because this is a running podcast, but I will, um, you know, like Ryan Krauser, you know, the world record, obviously, um, I think is about all I'll pretty much talk about. Um, so, you know, let's, let's get into it. The, the men's 100 was, you know, very exciting. Um, we saw a very, very good team, um, Maybe not the U.S.'s best team that we've ever sent, um, but of course with like LaShawn Merritt, um, Justin Gatlin all being older, the U.S. sprint team for men this year is a little bit on the lower class just because um, we haven't fully developed, I think, some of the younger talent in, in maybe, you know, Paris in 24 or Los Angeles in 28. It's going to be a lot, lot better. But we're kind of in that weird spot where we have a lot of really good guys, but no like one or two 
elite elite talents like there are on the women's side, which I'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, so Trayvon Brommel was actually, this is his second Olympics. He was actually eighth um, in Rio in 2016, and he did win win a bronze at the the 2015 uh, IAAF Championships. When back when it was still the IAF and not World Athletics, um, Trayvon Brommel was the first junior to break 10 seconds for the 100, and he's currently number six on the World Athletics list. Both Ronnie Baker and Fred Curley, who finished second and third, are in their first Olympics. Um, and they're, they're not as good as far as time-wise. You know, uh, Fred Curley is typically thought of to be more of a 400-meter runner. Uh, Ronnie Baker, I mean, they both kind of have eh chances for medals. Ronnie Baker has a lot of really, really good experience indoors where it's 60 meters. But when it, it bumps up to 100 meters, he's still a very good runner. But his I think his discipline is definitely indoor, the indoor 60. Um, I kind of, when I look at like the medal chances, I'm kind of, eh, I mean, it's, it's a possibility, of course. You know, there's there's always a chance that we can medal. But I don't know. You know, there's a lot, a lot of good talent elsewhere. You know, and yeah, the U.S. is typically thought of as a, having a really, really good sprinting team, but this isn't one of those years, I feel, in my, my personal opinion. At the at the 100, at the 200, we're stacked. You know, Noah Lyles is number one in the world, gold in Doha in 2019, and this is his, his first Olympics. He has, you know, an, a seed time that's number four all time, um, and he has the current world leading time of uh, 19.74, which he, he said at the trials, winning the trials. Um, so to me, Noah Lyles is gold or bust. And it'll be interesting to see which Noah Lyles we get because during during the trials, during some of his heats, he didn't look to be in top shape. He looked um, tired, sore, maybe like he was dealing with an injury. Um, but he came through when it mattered most at that final, at that final in the 200, and then came away with a world leading time. So if we if we get that Noah Lyles, he'll get gold. But if you know he performs like he did in some of the semis, then I we, we may be looking at at a newcomer or you know a returning like um like Arian Knight maybe you know. Um, the next guy is is Kenny Benarek. Um, he's, he's kind of the unknown, I guess, um, without really being unknown. He doesn't really have a whole lot of extreme marks or any major championships under, uh, under his resume so far. Um, but I mean, he's, he's top 25 all time. He's number five on the world athletic rankings, but he doesn't have any real, experience it looks like at these championship level races which is which is difficult because the olympics especially the, the finals of the olympics you know and with these with these uh sprint races there's heats and semis and finals so you can get worn down really quickly and then arian knighton um is the youngest u.s olympian ever which that was really really exciting to see him run and be there when um, when he was running. So, of course, this is his first Olympic team. And at the trials, he actually set the world uh, junior uh, 
the junior world record holder, the world junior record, sorry, in the, in the 200 meters, which is really, really exciting to see. I mean, that's that. So being so young, being still in high school, he doesn't have the best shot at a medal. But to him, maybe this plays to an advantage where, you know, he's still new at this. He has a lot of excitement, a lot of energy about being there. But it also could really hurt him because he doesn't obviously have the experience. Jitters could get to him, you know, if he could, you know, false start because of those jitters and you're disqualified without ever getting a run-in, which is difficult. Um, so I think the U.S. team in the 200 is a lot better than the 100. So, you know, we have Noah Lyles who can, I think, definitely get a medal. He's probably going to get gold if he has a good race. And Kenny Benarek and Arian Knight might be able to sneak in for a medal, but I, I mean, they're, they're on the cusp, I think. So we're going to move to the 400 where I think we have a very, very good team. You know, we have Michael Norman. This is actually his first Olympics, if you, or his first Olympics, if you can believe it, although he was at the 2016 trials when he was in high school. He's number four all the time. Um, and he has an extremely high medal chance. Uh, you know, Mike, Michael Norman has been kind of one of the U.S.'s top uh, sprinters in, in the 200 and 400 for years now. You know, he had such a tremendous career at USC uh, that when he, he turned pro and is now uh, running for Nike that I think, you know, he's going to get gold. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a whole lot of people that can challenge him in a 400. Um. Although it is, you know, there's Connie James, Stephen Gardner, you know, so that's why I only see Michael Norman getting a, a medal. I don't see like Michael Cherry or Randolph Ross, although Randolph Ross is the, the current world leader. Um, he did kind of have a tougher race uh, at the trials. You know, he did finish third, but, you know, I think, you know, the trials are all about making the, the Olympic team. So getting third at the trials doesn't really mean anything. It's really what happens at the Olympics, in my opinion, that means something. Um, and so I think Michael Norman is going to maybe come away with the, the bronze or the silver. I don't know if gold is in in his reach just yet. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see the Olympics, like I'm, I, I keep reiterating, are known for creating upsets, for being... Um, you know, more tactical races, especially now that we're getting up into like the middle distance and distance events. Um, and that, that we're going to cover Randolph Ross a little bit more. Um, when I, um, kind of do some, I do, I'll do probably an episode on top, uh, college guys like top uh college careers and i think randolph ross is somebody that i do definitely want to cover because he's had um a really really good ncaa career this year and now moving into the the 800 now we're getting into some of my my favorite distances of course you guys know that i'm a, I'm a distance guy so i i can talk forever about distance runners um the 800 we saw Probably the biggest upset of the trials where Donovan Brazier did not even make the Olympic team. He finished uh, and dead, dead last in the finals, about eight or nine seconds behind um, uh, Clayton Murphy, who, who won. Um, Clayton Murphy has a lot of experience. He was bronze back in Rio. 
um, and he has the um, he has an 800 meter title back when he was running uh, in Akron for for college. But even with all of that, he's number seven on the world athletics list. And even though David Rudisha has has hung hung up his spikes and isn't running, there's still you know Wesley Thadkaz and and Rotic. So I think he's in contention. But I really don't know if he's going to come away with the bronze like he did before. He may finish fourth or fifth. In, in second place, we have the guy that many people think took away Brazier's spot. Uh, you know, I think going in, we, we did expect Clayton Murphy and we did expect Bryce Hopple, but we didn't exactly expect Isaiah Jewett. Um, so, I mean, he, he Isaiah Jewett's an interesting story because he was the 800-meter runner at the the 2021 NCAA championships, which were also held in Hayward. So he's one of those, those interesting people where to get, you know, a title in Hayward and then a little over a week later, come back and also get a title, um, and or a, a silver at the, the USA championships and, and also the U S trials at the same venue is, is a pretty interesting story. Um, but he's lower on the world athletics list. He's only 38. So he's relatively, um, relatively inexperienced as well at those high profile meets against elite, elite competition. Um, and then the, the last of the three that we're rounding out is Bryce Hopple, who is also making his first Olympic team, but he was bronze back in, in 2019 at the, the USA championships. Um, He's a he's a meh chance um, for a medal. You know, I think I think a lot of people going in considered Bryce Hopwood to be number three amongst uh, you know Brazier, Murphy, uh, and uh, and then Popple. Um, but there's the eight hundred is really really stacked because that's when we we start to get into the U.S. still having a lot of depth. But we're also starting to see the Kenyans and the Ethiopians appear um in in strength in the the 1500 meters this was an exciting race to watch and this is where i'll get into some of that you know the hayward magic it was spectacular you know uh matthew centrowitz led for most of the race um and then with about about 200 to go you know cole hawker was in back of the pack and not not detached from it but it almost seemed like it wasn't going to be his day. And after, you know, they, they round the bend and come in with about 200 to go, you just see Cole Hawker just put the Jets on. Um, and it he just destroyed the field. I mean, it was a gorgeous, gorgeous run. Um, and he, he ended up beating Centro. Um you know, in Cole Hawker, he's just a freshman, you know, University of Oregon freshman. He has, you know, the high school experience of winning Foot Locker. Um, but the interesting thing about Cole Hawker is he doesn't actually have the Olympic standard. He finished 0.28 seconds off of that standard. So World Athletics has to decide whether uh, or not they're going to allow him to actually go to the Olympics. I've, I've heard that they're probably going to. Um, but it will be interesting to see, you know, when the actual um, order comes down. And then, of course, there's there's Matthew Centrowitz, who was the gold medalist back in Rio. Um, but I don't think a repeat's going to happen. You know, that 
that Centro is a extremely, extremely talented runner. But I think that gold medal was just a fluke. There's a ton of more talented runners than Centro in the world. Um, you know, Cherio, the the Ingebrigtsen brothers, that I, I don't think Centro is going to get a gold. And I would be surprised if any of the the three guys in this field actually medaled. That's how stacked the 1500 field is. I mean, Centro looked in good shape, but you know, the, the, he, you know, was struggling with injuries. And the reason he was able to get gold in, in Rio was because of that finishing kick. And like we saw in, um, and at the trials, yeah, he had a good kick and yeah, he was able to separate himself from the field, but Cole Hawker was, was able to catch up to him. And, you know, Cole Hawker's a, a good runner. He's a talented runner. But if a runner like Cole Hawker can catch up to Centro now, you know, imagine what, you know, Chariot or the, the Ingebrigtsens can do who are much more talented and much more experienced championship runners. So now the, I'm just going to cover the steeplechase a little bit, um, mainly because um, not a lot really, you know, happened. The only thing was there was kind of an upset in that Isaac Updike did miss the... Um, did miss the Olympics. Uh, he finished back in fifth, uh, but he actually did sign with Nike just a couple days beforehand. So that's, I mean, I take Olympics over Nike, but that is a bonus for him. He'll get some good training. Um, and, you know, hopefully he'll be back to make another attempt in, in just three years, actually. Um, Lasik Furlick did have a good, actually really, really finishing kick that propelled him into third and to take that final spot. So our steeplechase team is is pretty good, but again, like I said, we're now in the distance events where the, the Kenyans, the Ethiopians just dominate. And on that note, we're moving into the 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 five thousand meters where Paul Chalimo just showed his excellence. In my opinion, Paul Chalimo is an extremely underappreciated and underrespected runner. He was the silver medalist in the five thousand back in Rio. Um, but a lot of people forget that, you know, they forget just how talented he is. He was going in with a seat of, of 1304, you know, that was, that was number three behind Grant Fisher and Woody Kincaid. Um, I mean, it was just, it was good to see him get it because I think he's super underappreciated as a runner, but I don't think a repeat is going to happen and it's going to be hard for any of the three Americans to get, get a medal. You know, you do have the, you know, the Ingebrigtsens, Mohammed, um, Joshua Chiptegi, um, you know, all of those guys that are just, you know, Joshua Chiptegi is the, the world record holder in the 5k. That's, you know, he, he runs, he, his world record is a minute faster than what Paul Chalima ran at the trials. I mean, that is, that is just an incredible, incredible athlete. Um, and the Bowerman Track Club put on a crazy display in the five and 10,000 meters. Both Grant Fisher and Woody Kincaid qualified for, for both of those. And that really shows the benefit of, in my opinion, of, of racing with your teammates, of racing with a team, because you have that guy next to you that, you, that can propel you you know, harder, 
you know, you know what he likes to do in a run, you know, when he's feeling good, you know, when you're feeling running with someone that can match you in a race is very, very important. And then in the, in the 10,000, um, you know, Joe, Joe Klecker did, did get that, that other spot that didn't go to Grant Fisher and Woody Kincaid. Um, this is Klecker's first Olympic team. Um, it's going to be hard for any American to get a gold medal or any medal for that matter in a distance event. But in, in my opinion, if, if the top American, um, to get a medal in the 10,000 is Joe Klecker. Grant, Grant Fisher and Woody Kincaid are fantastic runners and they're going to do a really, really good job of pushing each other. But Joe Klecker, in my opinion, can really, really go hard. He can, um, really, really push the pace. You know, he and, he and Fisher had a couple good duels in college, um, where, you know, Klecker would sometimes come up on top. Fisher did. So, but I think Joe Klecker has the best shot at an Olympic medal if the opportunity presents itself. Um, so with that, we're going to move on to um, the women's side of things. Um, I don't have as much stuff to cover just because I do focus in you know, not being sexist, but I do tend to focus more on the men's and their times. Um, but I do, I do want to cover all of these guys. Um, and some of the, the major stories, Shakiri Richardson is, you know, young, fast and brash. Um, she's, she's a good runner for the sport. She can draw attention to it. You know, she's, um, She's a, she's a hardworking runner, um, but she's also super talented. She can, she can bring a lot of people to track that wouldn't normally watch track, which I think is really, really good for the sport. She was the, the 2019 champ at 100 meters and also the under 20 uh, world record. It's going to be really, really hard to compete with with Price uh, out of Jamaica in the 100, but I think Shakira Richardson has a really, really good, good shot at doing so. Oliver and Tiana Daniels did finish in second and third in that um, event. In the 200, uh, Gabby Thomas did win the event. She's an interesting, not just a runner, but also a person because, you know, she comes from the Harvard background. Um, She's currently getting her master's in epidemiology, so she's very, very smart and also very, very fast. Uh, when she won the 200, that was a new uh, meet record and also a 2021 world lead. Uh, Jenna Prandini placed second, battle third. Jenna Prandini, I actually got a selfie with her. It was really fun. She's really, really sweet, a really, really nice person. Um, so I'm, I'm happy that she, she gets the chance to go because... You know, I think she deserves it. All these, all, you know, Gabby Thomas, all of them, every single runner here deserves it. Um, Allison Felix did qualify for the final. She was in the final, but she did not place in the top three. But that's actually okay because if she had qualified in both the 400 and the 200, she probably would not have been able to compete in both just because of the way the Olympic schedule overlaps. Um 
And then in the 400, of course, Allison Felix dominated. She came from behind um, to, to actually get that. So I think that would... That was exciting to see that even, you know, going into her fifth Olympics and, and her aging a little, she still has that really, really tenacity, that drive, that kick. And I think that's going to serve her well when she gets to the Olympics. Um, is another medal possible for her? Absolutely. Um, you know, she has a very, very good chance at... Um, breaking her her master's world record which she just sent um you know so so felix getting um second at at the the trials that to me doesn't mean anything you know i think felix can definitely win the 400 meters she's in that good of a shape still she's that her mind is in a really, really good place right now. Um, and it was interesting, it was interesting and almost a little bit funny because Hayes, who finished uh, along with Felix to make the Olympic team also, they both have, you know, young kids. So it was, it was, it was really nice to see them, you know, bring their kids out for the victory lap. I thought that was really, really sweet. Um, the 800 meters for women is stacked. I think Mo and Raven Rogers, can go one two. That's you know Ajay Wilson isn't it? If when in a world where Ajay Wilson is your third runner, you're you're set. But the the real focus I think is on a, a thing Mo and uh, Raven Rogers because they they can go one two. I mean I think Mo she's just is so good at leading from the front, but also holding back. Like she can lead from the front and kick. Or she can slip into second and third and just destroy you on the finishing kick. Um, in the in the fifteen hundred, El Perrier won, um, and in the first one hundred she actually kind of got pushed off the track somehow, but was able to step on and still get the win. Um, so it was good that they didn't disqualify her because there was a lot of bad um, calls like that where they disqualified the girl in the. Um, the 100 and all of the false starts. That's another thing I want to cover. There was a ton of false start calls during one event. Um, you know, the, the I think it was the the one the men's 100 or it was some you know some event like that where you know you get into your blocks and you know the the starter fires the starting gun and then the second gun would fire and then they would get you know and that happened four or five times. That was extremely annoying to me as a fan so i can only imagine how annoying it felt to to the athletes um but i'm still glad you know they were able to get it back on track they were able to to still have it and it didn't become a huge huge issue um you know Corey mcgee got second in the 1500 um you know again when we get into the, the distance events those are still really really dominated by um, East Africans, and now we're even seeing, um, you know, that, that reemergence of talents is, you know, Hafana-san going to go for the, the 1500 and 10k double like she did in Doha. Yeah, I think that would be, you know, I don't think that's happened before in the Olympics. 
Um, the the real focus that I want to cover in the um, the five and ten thousand meters is the Bowerman Track Club because um, it was a very exciting event being in the Bowerman section to see you know when when Matthew Senchowitz got you know second I was sitting next to his family when you know Elise Cranny got um, first. Um, in in the five in the five thousand, you know, her her dad was sitting right behind me. And we were talking about you know race strategy and all that. Um, the Jorgensons were behind me on some days and a couple rows back on some days. So it was really good to be in that environment, um, and and see them do well. Obviously, Gwen had both tough performances. She did finish ninth in the five thousand and ended up having to drop out of the ten thousand. But, um, you know, I think her, her event is the marathon. She's going to do really, really good things in the marathon in 24. Um, and Chris, I got second in both the, the, uh, five and the 10,000. Um, and then Elise Craney looked pretty much bored running the 5,000, but the heat did get to her in the 10,000. She made a, a move, um, wasn't able to cover, uh, the finish and ended up getting fourth or fifth. So she just missed out. Um, the, the steeple, I mean, Emma Coburn just isn't human. Um, you know, it was fun because actually I was out on, uh, Priest Trail on one, one of the days that I ended up running with her for about a quarter mile until, you know, we both split off and went our separate ways, but that was really exciting. Um, she's just not human. You know, she runs with such poise The the steeple can be tricky. Um, but she was able to do a really, really good job of it. And the final event I want to cover is the the 400 hurdles with Sydney McLaughlin setting a new world record. Um, and I think that her and Muhammad can easily, easily go one to two. I mean, that's number one and two all time. So anything less than that, I think, would be a, a huge disappointment. Well, that's been today's episode of uh, the Modest Grant Podcast. Uh, if you want, you can follow me on Spotify and subscribe to me on YouTube. Um, and I will uh, keep uploading episodes. I think the next episode I upload, I'm going to do um, a biography on a runner, um, which I do like to do. That'll be my first one of those in a while. Um, and yeah, just, just keep running, keep putting the miles in, keep putting the hard work in. And, and of course, thanks for, for watching and, and listening.